0: All right, we are in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, uh, verses 19 through 24, we're going to study today. Um, And Jesus has already made a number of promises to the disciples. And now in this section of reading, Jesus will make four new uh, promises. He has previously announced that he was uh, going to depart from the disciples in order to return to the Father. Well, this had really upset the disciples greatly, uh, and they were in a lot of torment over the fact that Christ had told them that he was going to die. And and they were downcast, they were troubled, they were afraid, uh, and so he began to speak to them now in this section, giving them uh, four new blessed promises, promises that they could take with them forever as to who he would be and how he would be with them. And so let's begin and follow along in verse 19. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, And I, too, will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, and this is one of the disciples, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So this is a, a very uh, powerful uh, uh, promise by Jesus as he, as he does this. And so these are new promises that Jesus uh, gives to us. Now, he had previously promised uh, a number of things to them. He promised them that he would prepare a place for them in heaven. Uh, he promised that he would return for them. He promised that in his departure from them, it would not mean an end to the Christian work, that the Christian work would go on. He promised them that if they truly believed in him, they would do even greater works than Jesus had done. And we talked about the greater works, meaning that Jesus basically spread the gospel uh, to the Jewish people, uh, but that they now would spread the gospel to the Gentile world, all over the world. And so Jesus defined that as even greater things. He promised, Jesus promised, that he would answer their prayers, that he would be sitting there at the right hand of God and doing that. He also promised that he would send the Holy Spirit uh, who would uh, relate, who would abide in us forever. He would send the Holy Spirit who would abide in us forever. And we know that the Holy Spirit effectively is the Spirit of Jesus Christ and and the Spirit of God, uh, and that that would reside in us Not just with us, as it had been done in the Old Testament with the patriarchs, but now in us. Um, And he also promised that the Holy Spirit uh, would teach us. And so uh, now he gives four more promises. And so I want you to understand uh, the, the whole continuum here. They're brokenhearted. They're sad. They're devastated. Their world is collapsing upon them. Uh, they never thought they would lose Jesus like this, and so Jesus is now trying to lift them up and give them the bigger picture of who he is. Now, the first of these promises, the first of the four promises, is the promise of the coming resurrection, uh, and it speaks in such a language that uh, the resurrection operates on several important levels. <clears throat> And what do I mean by that? Well, first of all, it speaks about the actual resurrection, bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus will bodily resurrect from the grave. And let me say this to you right now, that if Jesus did not bodily resurrect from the grave, then we might as well pack up our Bibles and go home. You understand? Don't let anybody, anybody, ever make an argument with you in which they try to say that Jesus did not bodily resurrect. That's the devil's lie, okay? The devil would like nothing better for you than to start taking that into consideration. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is the central point of the entire Bible. It is the defeating of death by God himself. It is life eternal for you. It is all embodied on the cross and the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, so here we go. Uh, uh, The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it operates, when he said that, it operates on more than just that level. Not only is it the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, but he's promised here that you will be resurrected. And you will. Not only are you going to go from this world... To the next world. And your spirit is going to go immediately when you pass. But there will be a day. When Jesus comes back. Where your body will be resurrected physically from the grave. You will be resurrected physically. So. Let's understand what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that, yes, you're going to be spiritually resurrected on your death. You are going to go and be with Jesus. And he's also saying, he's also promising that you will be physically resurrected at at a future date. Uh, And this is important when when he speaks about the fact that the world will no longer see him. The world will no longer see him, but we will continue to see him. We will continue to see him in our hearts through the Holy Spirit and we will continue to see him through the resurrection. Um, and so uh, this, is, this is important. Uh, and, and what this also means is when Jesus gives them this, he is giving this to them that they will have the continuing knowledge of the resurrection in their hearts. They will understand what it means when Jesus says he's coming back, and they will understand what that knowledge means when he says, I will dwell with you. You will be with me. I will be in you, the Father and me together. The Father and I together will be in you, in residence. And so this is not just uh, someone uh, suggesting that that his body is going to be raised from the grave, but he's making numbers of promises through this resurrection theology. And, And we have that overwhelming confidence to understand what that means. We know he's promised us this. We know what that resurrection means. And so just as Jesus has given us this idea, this thought, this promise of the the resurrection, that that thought and that promise grows in our heart. We know every day that we will be with him. We know every day that he is with us, that God is in us. Uh, and that we will be resurrected. And not not only is that a, a spiritual resurrection, but a, a, a physical resurrection someday. And I want you to realize how downhearted the disciples were at this point. This was a low, low point. This next week prior to the resurrection is going to be hard. Jesus, who they loved dearly, who they believed uh, was their hope, everything that they had. Jesus will now be taken away from them. He's going to be killed Uh, in a horrible death. And so this whole uh, uh, week is a very, very difficult week. And so I want you to realize that when you go through hard times, and there's not one of you here in this room that has not gone through hard times, and that there will be hard times more to come, I want you to think about these 12 men in this room. We'll say 11. that that were in this room who had given everything that they had to be with Jesus. They had walked away from from whatever they did for a living. They had traveled with him for three years uh, because they believed that he was the Son of God. And now they will see him killed. Uh, And I want you to turn to Luke 24. And I love this passage uh, because it's uh, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Uh, And just to show you the mental state, this is the mental state that Jesus was facing here. Uh, Verse 17, and this is Jesus talking to the two disciples, Cleopas and the other, we don't know who his name is, who are now walking away from Jerusalem uh, on Sunday, downcast. He asked them, that is, Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? And do not know the things that have happened here in these days, I can just imagine, you know, well, where are you? Are you from space? You don't know what's been going on here? You haven't seen what's gone on here? And Jesus says, what things? Isn't that fantastic? The God of the universe, the creator of the universe, in this moment, in this poignant moment, looks at them in love and says, what things? It's almost like the master psychologist, Right? in which he knows that the way to get somebody to really come out of themselves and to show the hurt is that they have to articulate it themselves. What things? It's like saying, what's bothering you? What's hurting you? What things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see. And Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And then Jesus goes on to talk about the fact that everything in the Bible was about him. Uh, but you see the nature of their mindset. I mean, they, they were really, really downcast. Look also to John chapter 20, verse 25. We'll start with 24. Now, Thomas, called Didymus, this is one of the, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. <clears throat> so the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Wait a minute. You're one of the 12. You walked with him for three years. I know, but I'm downcast. I'm depressed. My world has collapsed. I cannot believe him. And so, again, God speaks to us about this. God knows that we're going we're to go through trials, that we're going to go through doubts, that not all, not all of us are going to have the faith of a giant, And you see it here even in the context of someone who walked for three years with Jesus Christ. And so that's why Jesus is making these promises. He's letting them know this isn't the end, guys. This is the beginning. This is going to be the greatest story ever told. And so Jesus is promising them that death is not the end for either me or you. It is not. You're going to go on and do even greater things. I'm going to be in your heart. God and I together will be in your heart through the Holy Spirit, and you will be empowered, and you will go out into the world and do the kind of things that you never thought you could do. And when I said this to my Monday guys on, on, on uh, last Monday, one of the things I said, and I think it's uh, germane to this, is that God has high expectations for each and every one of you. Higher than you have. Higher than you have. It's like this. You have a vision of yourself and your life. It's like you say, well, I'm retiring in Naples. I've worked my whole life for this. Uh, I'm now going to focus on golf, (laughs) fishing, boating. Okay? This is where my life will be. All right? And God says, forget it. Forget it. You're thinking here. I'm thinking here. And you go, but Jesus, I can't think like that. I'm not here. I don't have it for here. I have it for here. And Jesus said, no, you don't. You think you have it for here. But I'm going to prove to you that you have it for here. I'm going to build your character. I'm going to develop your character. And you are going to impact the world in so many ways. And I'm saying this to you right now, that you have to realize this, that God is going to do to you so many things to make you an impact in this world. Some of you are going to impact your family. Some of you are going to impact your friends. Some of you are going to impact your neighborhood. But you are all going to be positioned to impact this world amen? amen this is a big deal and this all this whole gospel of John is about that all right the whole gospel of John is about this and so Jesus is making his promises so that these guys get it stand up I don't want to see you crying I've got I've got plans for you we're moving on I'm going to be in you I've got great plans and so uh, it's just incredible when you see how God speaks to these first 12 guys, uh, telling them what, what, what he has in mind. So the second promise in, in that uh, Jesus makes... Uh, in this section of reading, is the certain knowledge of Christ based upon that double resurrection. What do I mean by the double resurrection? Resurrection of Jesus, your personal resurrection. Your resurrection both spiritually and your resurrection physically. It is a double resurrection. It is because that Jesus has been resurrected and because we have been given new life through Jesus that we know who he is. Look, folks, we can read all the stories in the world. We can read all the stories in the world, and until you have the personal knowledge that Jesus has been resurrected and he has put it in your heart, and you have the knowledge that you've been resurrected also, that you will never have a great Christian life unless you come to understand that. That's what it's about. That's what this is. And so this is what he means when he says that on that day you will realize that I am in my Father. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, yes, because you will have the certain knowledge through the Holy Spirit that both Jesus and God the Father now reside in your heart. You will have that knowledge. Uh, And the extent of this knowledge is that Jesus was God incarnate who was and is fully divine. You got that? Not just a man, but God in every way. God in every way, who put off his, design, his divine prerequisites, All right, put it off, and became equal to us as a man, so that as he sat here in this world for 33 years, he was fully God, yet fully man. And you will know that. You will know that when, when, when ultimately... Uh, God resides in you. Uh, and so this, this, this extent of this knowledge is critical. It is what we need to have in order to speak to, to uh, the world about Jesus. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there would be no proof that he claimed to be of who he was. There would be no proof. Uh, it is the resurrection that vindicated everything that he said. Make no mistake about it. It's the resurrection. Turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 3. Regarding his son, who, as to his human nature, was a descendant of David, and who, through the spirit of holiness, was declared with power to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. There it is. Jesus Christ our Lord, fully divine. Right there in Romans, making sure. And so when God plants uh, his own life within us, and that's what it means when you submit to God, when you become a Christian, when God uh, plants his own life within us, effectively this second resurrection takes place. And that's what I'm focusing on here. This second resurrection within your heart enabling us to understand his truth and respond to Christ. Um, And and at that time, we will know and embrace Christ even more joyfully. So that is why I tell you over and over again that being a Christian is a walk, not a destination. It's not like you get a diploma, congratulations, you are a Christian. That's it. I'm done. When do we go and play golf? You understand? That's not how it works. It's like, congratulations. Congratulations. You are a Christian. Here's a map for the rest of your life. Here's a map, and the map is the Bible. Here it is. Now you're going to walk every day with Jesus in your heart. You're going to respond to Jesus every day. And every day as you respond to Jesus, you're going to grow, and you're going to embrace him and love him more, and you're going to reflect him to the world in a way that you never thought possible. And so there it is. Uh, Jesus' promise. His own resurrection, coming back to them, the resurrection within us, number two. The third promise concerns Christ's continuing revelation of himself to those who have believed on him. All right, let's go back and look at John uh, 14, verse 21. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I, too, will love him and show myself to him. And so Jesus is talking about this continuing revelation. The point is, you don't know everything about Jesus on day one. He will continue to reveal it to you. And you, as you draw closer to him, your faith will get deeper and deeper. Uh, having, having come to know who Jesus is and having believed on him, the Christian will want to know him more fully. I mean, do you find that in your life? Do you find that that as you walk and you, you go to Bible studies uh, and you pray, that you begin to say, Lord, I want to know more about you. Lord, I want to have you uh, more represented in my life. I want to commit myself more to you. I need a deeper knowledge. And that's exactly what this is involved about. Jesus wants you to have that deeper, more full, personal knowledge. This is what we talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. <laughs> We are not interested in a ritual of worship. This is not about a ritual of worship. And look, I'm not knocking people who who embrace that. If that's the light that they have, God bless them. But you've been given a greater light. You've heard a greater life. Jesus is speaking to you, and what Jesus is saying is he wants you to have a deeper, more fuller revelation of who he is. Uh, and this would not be possible except for the fact that Jesus Christ provides it. This is not something, really, that, that you need to be afraid of. God will give that to you if that's your thirst and that's your hunger. And I can say that I've seen that in my own life in the last 10 years, that as I've written these Bible studies, it's like God is educating me, and he's showing me things, and, I, and, I, and, I, and, and I'll, I'll read an outline. I'll give it to Linda to read. Linda will say to me, I, I, never, I never heard that before. I never heard that before. And she'll say to me, did you, did you hear that before? In all the years you were in church? And some, and I have to say, honestly, many times I have to say no. No, maybe that's my fault. Maybe I was goofing off. Yeah. I told you about the time that my father was preaching on the rapture. He's just preaching his heart out about the rapture. And I'm maybe 22 years old. And... I said to uh, my wife, I gave her a note in the middle of church. Remember, we're sitting in the third pew. When the rapture comes, will you take care of the dog? (laughs) we had only been married a year. Of course, not to be outdone, she writes back, will you take care of the pool? So maybe the fact that we hadn't heard these things preached might be on our account, not on the ministers. But the, the bottom line, bottom line, I'm telling you, is that this is evidence of the fact that as you grow with the Lord, as you get deeper with the Lord, you walk with the Lord. He pours more and more into your heart, more and more into your heart, and He reveals Himself in so many ways. And so, in what ways does the Lord promise to manifest Himself to His disciples? In what ways? Uh, he was not going to do it bodily. He was not going to do it through visions. His, his answer really is that he would reveal himself in a spiritual sense through the Holy Spirit. That's how Jesus is going to reveal himself uh, in an ongoing mission to your life, through the Holy Spirit. As you read the Bible, as you pray, as you go to Bible studies, God will reveal to you who Jesus is in an ever-expanding Way. Now, the Lord gives conditions upon which that con- continuing revelation will take place. Now, li- listen to me here, because this is the essence of today's lesson. God wants to give you a greater revelation of who Jesus is and who God is. But it is a conditional promise. He just doesn't dump it on people. He looks to see where you are. Where your heart is. Uh, And these conditions are through the keeping of his commandments and love. The keeping of his commandments and love. Some of us believe, and you can underline this, is on the outline of number six. Some of us believe that having been justified by faith, we thereafter have no need for an obedient walk. Now I've heard people say this. All right, I'm covered by grace. Have you heard that? I'm covered by grace. I am not an Old Testament believer. I'm freed from the commandments. Jesus loves me. He's forgiven my sins. I'm justified by faith. So what does that mean? That means, well, sada sada, as they say in Italian, right? In other words, whatever happens, happens, all right? Oh, my mind is, so I'm trying, I'm thinking about the right thing, but, you know, if I fall into a ditch, I fall into a hole. If I get involved in immorality, yeah, it happens. I'm weak. I'm only a man, you know, but God has justified me. Folks, let's get this clear. Let me get, make this clear. When we come to Jesus Christ and you give Jesus your heart, you are, in fact, justified by faith. But that does not mean that you can go and live the most reckless, careless kind of life. Because if you do that, you will not grow. You understand what I'm saying? You will not grow. Now, the question is, are you saved? Well, I can't answer that. All I know is in order to be saved, it's not just lip knowledge, lip, lip speaking, it's heart speaking, it's heart knowledge. And so, if in fact, I have in fact accepted Jesus Christ, God knows you're going to fall from time to time, but don't just get reckless in your life and get involved in all kinds of immorality. Come on, folks. If the, understanding that you're grieving the Holy Spirit, Jesus resides in your heart. When you begin to understand what this means, and i got to tell you that I didn't know this when I was younger. I didn't recognize the fact that, that really through the Holy Spirit that there was an ongoing revelation in my heart that the Holy Spirit was there. Because if I did, I never would have done some of the things that I did. And I believe you would be the same way. Would you go places and say things and do things if you knew Jesus was walking alongside you? Ooh, that's a hard one, John. Well, that's, isn't that what, what God is telling us here? You can't understand this unless you drill down and get that sense. That's what this is about. And so Jesus is making the promise I will give you greater revelations, I will speak deeper things into your life. You will become more knowledgeable about who I am, and that knowledge is going to carry you through dark days, and you're going to be an example to a lost world, but only if you obey my commandments and exhibit love. That's what it is. That's the promise. It is a conditional love. This love and faith expresses itself in an obedient walk in the Christian life. An obedient walk in the Christian life. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. There's no such thing as perfect. There was only one perfect and we crucified him. All right? There is no perfect. But it means within the Spirit of God empowering you uh, every day and you obediently trying to walk and do what, what God wants you to do. Turn to James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse 17. Let's look at 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith, but he has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In that same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. This is important because here's what it says. If you want to show your obedience to Jesus Christ, if you want to show that you're obeying his commandments, and as he said there, obeying my commandments and demonstrate love, this is the demonstration of love. Don't give me cheap lip language. You see somebody who's desperate out on the street, and you say, oh, gee, I hope you get a good meal. Hope you stay warm. Hope it works out for you, brother. God bless you. Instead, God doesn't want to hear that from us. God doesn't want to hear that from me. That is why I honestly don't want to tell you this. Often when I travel to major cities, I keep money in my pocket because I believe that when I come across homeless people, when they ask for something, I try to give them something, even if I recognize that it might be used for alcohol. And the reason for that is it's not on me, it's on them. You heard what I said? It's not on me, it's on them. I'm being what God wants me to be. I'm going to try to demonstrate love. Now, you demonstrate love to someone. Now the question is, now, now it's on them. And so you see this verse. You see this verse, understanding what, how God wants you to live, how, what your faith means. Faith without works is meaningless. Don't tell me, All right, faith, I believe in Jesus. Yes, I believe in Jesus. What, do you, what have you done for him? Well, I'm to go, go to church. Then I go out to the pancake house. You go out to the pancake house. Have you ever gone to a homeless shelter? Have you ever gone to a prison? Have you you ever tried to do some mission? Have you ever given somebody money? Have you ever reached out to people that are hurting? Have you gone to the hospital? Well, I'm not into that. You're not into that. What are you into? Well, I like golf. I like golf. I'm, I'm hoping that I will someday preach about Jesus on the golf course. I'm sure, he will, I'm sure that's a good ministry many of us would, would sign up for. But you understand, do you see what happens, what this is like. I mean, how careless we get, how Jesus wants us to recognize. You want to know more about Jesus? You want to get closer to Jesus? You want to have a greater understanding of Jesus? Well, if that's the case, then meet the conditions of what Jesus said. Love me, obey me, follow me, and if you do, if you do these things, I will give you a greater understanding. Let's read John, 1 John chapter 5. And we'll close with this. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. You want to prove to God that you love him? You want to prove to Jesus Christ that you love him? Then follow his commands. Demonstrate love to a lost world. And the promise for you is that the promise that Jesus made here, that he will lift you up, that he will pour greater and greater understanding into your heart so that you will become a stronger Christian, a better example to the lost world. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much, Lord, on the message that you've given us today. I ask you that it grow in our heart and resonate with us this week. Be with our people, protect them in every way, and bring them back safely next week to continue the study of your word. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you.